You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. We are back for season six, seven, something like that. It's been a while with Coach Bruce Pearl. From the very beginning of his tenure, Inside the Jungle has been giving you coverage of the Auburn men's basketball program and the journey that has been with Coach Bruce Pearl at the helm. Going from the doldrum days where we couldn't even sniff the NCAA tournament to making it consistently and last year chronicling the first ever journey by Auburn men's basketball to the final four. So we're going to get this season started off right by breaking down the whole thing in a row. We've already talked schedules on previous episodes, so we're only going to cover that briefly here and not bore you with that again. But we're going to do predictions, anything else that we can we can come up in our head with to talk about with this season preview. We're going to cover it here on Inside the Jungle. We thank you for joining us for another season. Now, I should introduce my next co-host here uh he's a guy that you would uh be very familiar with if you're a regular of our network content he is one of the co-hosts of stoppage time the first the only auburn soccer podcast out there on the interwebs mr drew hooper welcome to inside the jungle thank you for having me i'm slowly trying to take over the network is my main goal and being on every podcast possible on the e2c network but excited to get to break down basketball and be with inside the jungle this season love basketball love what we've done with the program and excited to be with you kyle well here's the thing you know we have a little bit of news to talk about here because obviously most people who've been listening to inside the jungle for six seasons now are like hold up where's clint richardson where's the uniform dude where's the guy that refuses to make predictions in every single show, no matter how hard Kyle pushes for it and tries for it. He cannot get a prediction out of him. Well, Clint has decided to take a step away uh, from our show this season due due to some schedule and live stuff that he's got going on. Now, he's not going to be completely absent. You may even hear him pop in from time to time on episodes, maybe on this show or another one on the network or even just random topic shows. Just because uh, right now he's kind of having just to kind of take a step away from that doesn't mean you won't hear from him again. But I do have have to have somebody here with me keeping me on track because if you don't drew we will go down rabbit holes and we will never ever get done with an episode so you are a saint sir for undertaking the enormous task of keeping me in check on inside the jungle well someone has to do the lord's work so i'm glad that you (laughs) chose me to venture down this path with you because i'm pretty sure that I am just as bad about getting on trails and rabbit holes. If you've ever listened to a stoppage time episode, we try and keep it to our time limit, but recently we've become a little more chatty and tend to, to flesh out our feelings a little bit more, little which angsty. is good and bad. Yeah. And so, but, but we, Peter and I noticed we've been going longer and longer and longer, but you know, that's part of it. Well, I, I have no uh, problems with long, more content is not necessarily a bad thing. So rabbit holes, I can deal with in smaller amounts, but normally I'm the one who causes the deeper rabbit holes. Anyway, enough about the rabbit holes. 
let's move more into this. We do again want to thank Clint for his six seasons that he was here with me on this show. And the very first podcast we ever had break out into individual show formats here on the E2C network. Uh, so hopefully we'll hear from him again very soon. But for now, I want to welcome in Drew as my regular co-host. Now, we also may have a guest or two, um, some maybe more, I call them more regular guests. We're kind of working out some details right now, but you're definitely going to hear Drew a lot and maybe some other voices here on Inside the Jungle this season as we go forward. So let's stop talking about show topic stuff, but let's more talk about actual Auburn basketball stuff, Drew. And the full schedule thoughts that I have here for us to discuss. Now, we've done two previous episodes where we broke down the non-conference schedule that was released and the SEC conference schedule that was released. Right now, I'd just love for you, you've had about maybe a month now to sit on it and think about the non-conference and SEC schedule combined. What are you feeling like for Auburn um, in terms of how they might perform, some things to expect? What would you say to a listener when you at, they ask you about what's the schedule look like for Auburn? Well, I mean, I think we got to take it in chunks. Like I'll, I'll look at the, the non-conference first. And I think Bruce Pearl has done a good job scheduling yet again. He knows what his team needs, knows how to kind of get them prepared for later in the season. Because if you're not on the basketball bandwagon yet, this is your first year, you enjoyed the run last year, wherever you are in your Auburn basketball fandom, if you haven't really paid attention to college basketball before, you need to realize it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Like football, we're used to really sprinting down the field. It just win, 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 win. Basketball, you're going to take a lump or two here or there. And really you want to be priming towards the middle of your conference schedule. And I think he's done a good job with this veterans classic legends classic. And then even the Mike Slive invitational getting a little toss up game in there as well. I, I think he set it up really well. And I think Auburn should walk into this thinking, you know what, we're going to have some tough games, but ultimately we're going to have a lot of learning experience and probably going to come out of it with a pretty good winning record. I see maybe two to three losses in there tops and so i'm thinking overall looking at the schedule ending with seven eight losses isn't out of the question maybe even uh 10 losses which that may freak people out but i i think that's still the same spot you were sitting in last year this is a younger team lost a lot of talent lost a lot of guard talent which is basically like losing a quarterback in basketball yeah and so it, i i think 10 losses this year it, looking at a 20 and 10 record isn't outlandish and isn't a failure at all no, it's not. And I, I think we as Auburn fans, let me, let me kind of I'm trying not to get on the soapbox here because uh, we as Auburn fans tend to hype up expectations. And when we don't meet those expectations in certain sports, we tend to lose our ever loving minds. And so that's what I think uh, I love about your commentary there is to say, folks, listen, this is not a sprint and expect a couple of lumps expect a couple of quite a few losses maybe because not only are you replacing an entire uh, backcourt for Auburn you're trying to figure out the chemistry there yeah sure Javon's back who was a great backup point guard and now is going to be the lead guy there but you got a lot of other guards that are going to be trying to figure out uh, just how this team works together how they work well with each other reading each other's body language so there's a lot of factors here that could play into this. And I loved your point about Bruce Pearl's scheduling. 
one thing Clint and I have raved about is his ability to understand the makeup of his team and what they need going forward. Going forward, so sometimes that's out of your reach. You know, sometimes you have to kind of just take the games that have already been scheduled for you. Sometimes there are certain teams aren't available there. One thing I would like to bring up again, and I because I had a great conversation with Auburn Elvis um, over this weekend at the exhibition game about the lack of a marquee, and I say that in quotation more uh, points there of a mid mid non-conference tournament. So we had the Maui Invitational last year, Drew. Do you think Auburn fans are going to be a, a little less hyped about this non-conference schedule simply because there's not that big game against a Duke or potential game against a Duke in a tournament or something like that? Do you think we're, we have lower expectations because of that? I, you shouldn't have lower expectations. The Maui Invitational was a once-in-a-lifetime thing and a really an awesome place to be and i definitely think we'll be back there with as big of a marketer as bruce is that's going to be hard for you to go man i don't want that bruce pearl guy coming to my tournament because he puts butts in the seats no matter what team he's coaching because they're always exciting and fun to watch and so yeah the legends classic and the veterans classic aren't boasting the most prestigious teams in the world but that davidson team that we're gonna be facing on november 8th tough team like they are a hard-nosed team it's away from home we got a young team that's going to be a difficult game and looking forward in that legends classic you get wisconsin most likely i would say in that you may end up getting richardson but wisconsin most likely uh, also a game away from home on a neutral court where you would typically be playing an ncaa tournament game wisconsin is an annoying team and for me yeah i mean they, they slow it down they're it's it's like that UAB game from last year. UAB drug us into the mud, and we didn't know what was going on because we we hadn't ever been drugged into the mud. We've been allowed to just shoot threes, play our defense, do whatever we wanted to, and Wisconsin's going to be like that UAB game last year. And, I mean, looking at Davidson, it's a hard-nosed mid-tier team, but I think Bruce Pearl's schedule in Murray State was wonderful last year. John Morant, crazy good, and we got to face a – top five NBA draft pick guard early on in the season, learn how to defend him, learn how to play. And you know what? We faced some really good guards in that NCAA tournament that we were able to game plan against Colby white for North Carolina. We didn't know we were going to be facing him, but guess what? Like he was a tough, tough, tough player to play against. And I think having that experience of facing a John Morant earlier in the season worked its way into how we performed in the NCAA tournament. So is Davidson the the game you have your eye on in non-conference scheduling? I, that Wisconsin game, if we get there, uh, yeah, Wisconsin yeah. and NC State, because I, I want to beat the brakes off of NC State <laughs> after last year. But I, I would say those are the two I really have my eye on. I don't count the Iowa State as a non-conference game because it's wedged in the middle SEC play. So I'm just going to treat it like another SEC game. But I, I would say that's also a game I'd have my eye on. Yeah. So the potential Wisconsin, NC State, and then Iowa State. But if you tell me we go down to David or we go play Davidson and we go toe-to-toe with them and maybe squeak out a victory or maybe even take a loss right there, you're not going to shock me either. No, I do think there are a couple of, I won't call them trap games, but games where Auburn could potentially take somewhere in the range of two, maybe even four losses in non-conference play. I don't think that's going to happen, but there is a potential there depending on how well the makeup of the team is going at the time they face each of these teams there. So they cannot take it lightly just because you're not in the Maui Invitational doesn't mean you're not still playing very talented teams. And even some of these lower tier teams, we're going to talk about what we could perceive as lower tier teams. We're going to talk about one of them in our preview of the next game 
uh, coming up shortly. But uh, don't take this lightly. Let's get through it and see how well this team builds towards SEC schedule there. And I think the SEC schedule does have a chance to be quite brutal for them. If you had to kind of put your finger on a game that's most important for Auburn and SEC play, Drew, what would you say it is? Uh, I would say... Oh, that's a tough question. Really good question, Kyle. Just throwing that. it out to you, you know, trying to trying to. It's your first time here as a, as my co-host officially, so I'm trying to skip you up a little bit. I mean, I I think I think the tough. I think what's really going to define SEC play is either going to be how we start off facing Georgia because Georgia has Anthony Edwards, really good recruit. We always seem to play Georgia really weird too, right? And so Georgia's one of them. And the next biggest, I, I think the one that's really going to tell me what our gauge is and how the rest of SEC play is going to go is away in the, down in Gainesville against Florida. Because Florida is a really good team. Mike White has coached them very well. And Mike White's the coach, right? I'm pretty sure that's his name. It's, yeah, it's Mike, close enough. <laughs> Mike White. Uh, he's coached them very well. Got a good recruiting class coming in. Tough-nosed players. I think that one's going to be the gauge on Auburn SEC play. So start away at Florida on January 18th is the one I have circled right now. That back end of the schedule has me quite concerned there. And I know Tennessee's lost a lot of talent. I hear you there, but we're playing them twice in the back end there. You're playing Kentucky. Uh, there, it's It has a potential to make or break Auburn's uh, play scene in SEC tournament. Uh, and further postseason, postseason implications, depending on how they played the rest of the season there. So we'll see how that shakes out there. Let's talk about roster stuff. And we've already alluded to it, Drew, that entire the entirety of guard play is pretty much left in terms of those that saw a significant amount of time. We're talking about, obviously, Bryce Brown, Jared Harper. I throw Malik Dunbar, even though he's more of a forward in terms of build and there I throw him into that group as well there. So we have obviously familiar names that are still around. Daniel Purefoy for once. Uh he has kind of seemed in the back half of last season, stepping up quite a bit there. Javon McCormick, we've already talked about him, our starting point guard. Samir Dowdy is going to most likely be the starting shooting guard in the Bryce Brown role there. And then Austin Wiley as well. And uh I think a lot a lot of people are really keying in on Austin Wiley this year on the roster because they have heard of him. They've heard of, they know the talent that's there, the pedigree that's there. They've seen flashes of it despite his off the court issues, but we haven't seen it fully realized. So what's your take on, uh, I guess, start with Austin Wiley and you can go further into the roster as you need to, but what's your take on Austin Wiley and what you expect from him this season? I expect Austin to, to play up to the hype that has been surrounding him since Auburn. We, we keep seeing flashes of it. And I think now that we've got the NCAA ordeals behind him, we have the injuries seemingly behind him. I, I have yet to hear one thing about injuries so far for Austin. Knocking because, on wood right now. Be, yeah, because he's had a long layoff. Uh, he was doing some work with the USA team last summer and picked up some knocks here or there. Haven't heard anything so far. You're always kind of scared with big men and feet injury, which seems what he's picked up a lot, feet and shin injuries. And so I, I think really what we can expect is a leader, no matter where he's at, whether Austin's playing, God forbid he gets injured, or whether he's not playing, I, I think you're going to expect a leader out of him. And I think that's exactly what he is. We saw in flashes last year just how high his ceiling can be. And I think this is the year he really breaks out of that ceiling. I wouldn't be surprised to see him average 
around 15 and eight this year. That's actually probably a good prediction there. And we discussed his potential for being injury prone this past seasons that he had, but doesn't seem to be the case thus far. Again, knocking on wood very vigorously here. But the good thing is, is we seem to have depth in terms of bigger body guys this year. So if he were to get a little tweaked here and there, we've got some uh, some room to kind of play around with here. And one of those guys obviously is the fan favorite and familiar name of Anthony McLemore. I would say that his 2018-19 campaign wasn't um, up to par with what we've seen from him in the past, but you got to think coming back from a major injury right like that, kind of trying to find your dynamic back on the team. I, the guy that I'm most excited for is Anthony McLemore. I mean, he's a senior. He's been here uh, from the 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 – really the true rise in the Bruce Pearl era here. I mean, he's seen the turmoil, he's seen the low point, and he's definitely seen the high point now. So I'm really excited for Anthony in in terms of his involvement in our front, front court there uh, for us. Now, let, let's talk about a couple of names that are very exciting n- in the new uh, name realm. I think we could start right at the top with Isaac Okoro and the potential that he has. There's a lot of comparisons to Chumo Kiki. You know, Auburn fans were really quick to compare them to past players and kind of say they're the next this, they're the next this. Oh, this guy's the next Cam Newton. This guy's the next uh, Frank Thomas. I, I don't know. But there's a lot of comparisons between Chuma and Okoro. What do you think about that comparison and the potential for maybe him to meet that? I, I would say don't get too attached to Okoro, personally. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I, I think Okoro, we can't really put him into Chuma's role because Chuma as phenomenal as a player he was I I think he was one of the best all-around players I've seen play college basketball in the past 10 years as far like he he wasn't ever gonna light up the scoreboard night in night out he was gonna show up and he was definitely a work pale type player and that's really all I would hope for Okoro I don't think he needs to match Chuma at all but Chuma developed that that little low post box out back him down move just last year like that was not something chuma had been doing forever we had seen chuma's game develop over years so so to toss all that expectation on a coro coming in i think that's a little premature personally yeah i i think you're going to see he's going to play much like we saw mustafa heron i and i know we we just talked about comparing players but to give you a comparison i think he's going to play more like a freshman mustafa heron he's going to be a cutter a slasher he's going to get in he's going to use his body well but i think you're going to see a lot of pure athleticism this year until the end of the year when bruce has had some time to really refine his skill set uh but i i think he he's definitely one of those generational players that we're starting to see bruce bring into this auburn basketball program Look, I am excited about Okoro, uh, his potential for this season and the potential for what he'll do for Auburn as a program if he should do some things well enough to earn some accolades later on in the season. I'll be honest with you, though, the guy after watching a little bit at tip-off and exhibition that I'm super excited about is Babatunde Akingbola, or for simple phraseology, stretch. And I think that's what we're going to have to go to saying that I've gotten practiced at saying Babatunde Akingbola, but I think it's going to be a lot easier for people and save us our breath if we just start calling him stretch. After watching him a couple uh, of events, I do think this guy's got the chance to be something very special at Auburn. 
And I, I know we've said that before, before about a lot of these uh, big men that have come in and gone out after one season. And I don't, I hope that's not the case here. I, I'm even hearing rumors that we may even see an attempt for stretch and even a guy like Jalen Williams to sit out this year. I, I'm kind of on the fence about that just to kind of red shirt them and keep them around for a while. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if things go well with the rest of the roster that they do get the opportunity to sit there uh, in terms uh, of just saving them for later on down the road. What do you feel about that? Do you think it's in Auburn's best interest to try to save uh, someone like stretch or Williams and maybe keep them around for a little bit longer? I, I mean, it just, it, it depends. I think you bring them there to play them. Basketball is a little bit different than football. It, I, I, a lot of these guys are, are looking for their chance. And, and I think you really just give them the shot and play them. I mean, if they're good enough that you recruited them and they fit your system, I think you play them. I, I got a question because you were at the exhibition game, right, Kyle? Yes. Okay, so I, I'm looking through the stats. Obviously, it wasn't televised or anything like that. But I, I do notice Stretch is playing eight eight minutes like he was on the lower end of time played was there any particular reason behind that my perspective uh from the game was uh, i'll be honest with you i don't really know why he got a limited number if i had to venture out and guess it would probably be i felt like a lot of chemistry was happening uh, with a lot of the other players that were in there at the time and i guess maybe he wanted to kind of keep it with the flow of things because that's might see that might be who's seen more time we talked about maybe stretch sitting out um if and redshirting if that if they don't need him this year um so i think some of that might have played into it as well but i'll tell you what the time that i did see him in there i was so impressed and never seen a guy with his type of frame be so athletic you know usually when you've got that amount of arms and legs you just kind of flail them around everywhere and can't really run anywhere very fast but i was surprised with his athleticism and speed for that matter so I will be disappointed if he's not part of this roster. But I, to answer your question, I don't really have an exact answer for why that might be. Well, we definitely run into a problem, I think, if if someone or at least two people don't redshirt. Because you're looking at a 12-man deep roster yeah. of players who came to Auburn wanting to play. And so I think I think it's not far off to think someone is going to redshirt this year, maybe right. even two people. The question is who... How do you divvy that up? Because you, you want to put your best team out there. You don't want to just redshirt someone in the hopes of whoever comes in next year, they gel well, they have a great team because they were willing to redshirt. You, sometimes you may have to redshirt someone even if they're unhappy about it because they don't fit that mold right now and just need a little seasoning. And I don't know who that is. I, I don't know if we'll have those answers. I imagine when we get a couple of games into the season, we haven't seen an appearance by anyone. We'll definitely know that that person's probably red shirt. Yeah, that's usually a telltale sign that they're probably going to be red shirting at that point. Uh, but let me go through a couple of the other names that we haven't mentioned yet in the roster. Obviously we've talked about some of the ones that we're familiar with and some of the bigger names that are coming in like Jalen Williams, stretch, and uh, obviously Okoro, but here are some other ones. Tyrell Turbo Jones, let me talk about, that's his nickname there. We got to throw Turbo in there. Uh, Chandler Leopard, Jamal Johnson, Javon Franklin, Lior Berman, who got a pretty awesome dunk at tip-off at Toomers, uh, which was pretty amazing. Uh, Preston Cook, Miles Parker, Will McCoy, Alan Flanagan, son of Wes Flanagan, one of the assistant coaches. Uh, Chase Mastrop, 
Devin Cambridge and Thomas Carter. Let me come back to Devin Cambridge for a second. Please, please, please tell me, Drew, you saw the dunk on a replay, somebody's home video of the dunk he had in the exhibition game. He brought the entire arena to their feet. Yeah, he he had a grown man dunk. Uh, that's the only way to put it. And that's always exciting. I, I think this team is definitely going to, they're not going to be the three-point lighted up team that we've seen the past two years but good gracious they're going to get down the court and transition and i think we're going to see some vicious dunks this year oh man it was when he i mean there were awesome dunks throughout the night uh, i believe i can't remember who it was that had like a just a double hand behind the head the back of the head just slammed down superman dunk but devin cambridge brought the entire house down so i'm i'm highly on the bandwagon of let's see some more devin cambridge right now uh, so we got some very talented freshmen coming in and new names that we're really excited about on this roster for this season. Now let's talk about tip-off at Tuners. We've alluded to it a little bit. Uh, we wanted to do a separate episode about this and experience and spend a lot of time on it, but we just weren't able to do that. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and talk about it a little bit here. Um, I was able to attend uh, Chandler Fullman and um, uh, Austin were also able to be there to, at the event as well. We all came away very impressed by it. Um, I'll, I'll even venture out to say that I thought a little bit more could have been done with tip off at tumors. And it was a huge success though. I don't want to make sure we understand that it was a huge success, great crowd, great atmosphere, uh, exciting event. And, you know, it led all the pageantry you thought it could have. It did have, but I just felt like there's more that could have been done with it. So from your house, your phone, however you were able to keep up with it, Drew, what were your impressions of tip off at tumors? Looked amazing. Great event. Old Miss can shut up saying that y'all did it first. We never tried to rip y'all off. We didn't really care that y'all <laughs> did it first. Like no one at Auburn was like, Oh, look, we're the first team to ever put a basketball court outside. That's originally where they were. So uh, right. your Old Miss didn't reinvent the wheel. I thought it looked amazing. I thought it hit all the high notes. I a little upset. It wasn't televised, but yes. I understand why it wasn't. I mean, they, ESPN's kind of pulled back from televising the the midnight madnesses or the the fall practices this year. They only did a couple that I'm aware of. Even where I'm at in Memphis, number one recruiting class, Penny Hardaway is like the dream boat of all dream boats in Memphis society right now. Uh, they didn't even <laughs> really telecast that, and so and then you watch what nasty stuff Kansas does. Oh gosh, and, I mean, so like I get why they're not telecasting these things. <laughs> But I, I thought it was good. I thought it hit every note. And yeah. definitely I get wanting to put a little more around it. But also, if you've never lived in the South, the fall is like a really ridiculous thing to predict on when it's going to rain or not. That's why we had it last year, but we didn't have it last year. It, it right. ended up getting scrapped because of weather. And so it's a fun idea and definitely like it. But I get not wanting to dump a lot of money into it because of the chaotic weather and xyz factors that go into that yeah there's definitely a lot of logistical nightmares i mean a couple of just quick points of what i thought you know questions that can be asked on maybe how to improvement do you put it on a friday night do you put it on a saturday when there is no home game there i mean what what do you what's the best day for it you know i think thursday was a great experiment of it and it obviously was a success i mean a lot of people were able to come into town i drove all the way from atlanta and came back the same night just for this event and i felt it was well worth it even for just a 
to our event. They built Tiger Talk into it as well. So that kind of gave you a reason to come early, but if, unless you were a student who were students were there even earlier to get into the pit, that was a really cool thing for them. Um, you know, in terms of seating or standing there, there was seating obviously for people that are very close to the program and major recruits. Um, you know, we had some very high profile names there, some ones that already committed uh, to, to Auburn. So that was nice to see them there soaking in the atmosphere. So I thought, you know, in terms of doing it for a first true attempt, actually being able to pull it off, it went well. Uh, the question is, Drew, do you think that they'll do it again? Uh, absolutely. I think that they will attempt it again. I mean, obviously if it doesn't work because of weather or whatever, you just move it right into Auburn arena. But I yeah. think, uh, why not try it again? It was a beautiful scene, like picturesque. You slap that thing all over recruiting videos and all that, and you're gonna go, "Wow, that's a fun th- that's a fun place to be at." And obviously, Shreve Cooper, shout out, like yeah. committed that weekend too. So yeah. it was obviously a pretty fun weekend to be at. No, it was just it was just an overall great experience, and I think that's part of me why I want a little bit more from it because I can see the potential for other things to go on there, you know, just some slight improvements. And I think, I think you do approach it that way. I think if you want to change some days, times and stuff, and just always keep in your mind, the weather aspect of this and just have the backup be in Auburn arena. I mean, that's, it's not like it's a terrible thing. It's a beautiful arena that people have designed their own arenas off of ours. So that's like, if that's your worst case scenario, we just move it inside to that. I'd say that's a good alternate in any case, but we'll see what happens next year. I'm sure we'll hear an announcement whether or not that's going to happen um, as the season kind of winds down and we start looking towards next year. So that was tip off for tumors. Let's talk a little bit more about the exhibition game. We've talked to a little bit about it with our roster discussion here. Um, It's pretty much exactly what you thought it was going to be. Uh, an exhibition game. Now I know us Auburn fans with the debacle that was Barry two seasons ago when we played them and got beat lo and behold, we actually went on to the tournament and, and did decently that year. Uh, but I, I will say this, you can only take so much away from an exhibition game and Auburn looked really good against little Eckerd. Fun fact. This is also another shout out for Auburn Elvis. He found out that Eckerd college got its name from the gentleman who founded the drugstore Eckers, which eventually became Rite Aid which eventually became Walgreens, which will eventually become something else. So there's your little fun fact today is that we played uh, the school of one of those drugstore companies. So if that, if that doesn't make your night, I don't, I don't know what I can do for you at this point. But uh, your impressions, Drew, of Eckerd versus Auburn, and I know you weren't there, it wasn't televised, uh, but what did you take away from the things that you were seeing and hearing online? I, I mean, it's exactly what you expect from a first exhibition game. Returning players played well. We turned the ball over freshmen and incoming players like Jamal Johnson, who hasn't played in a year, didn't shoot as well. And I mean, it's just part of it. Uh, First game for a lot of players, first game in a long time. You didn't expect them to go lights out, but the players who definitely were returning players, such as Austin Wiley, Purefoy, McCormick, Dowdy and McLemore, they played well. And I mean, that's about all you can ask. You win the game. Like yeah. a win, win's a win. I know that's a hard concept in the <laughs> Auburn world, but win's a win. You couldn't be talking about something recently in football, could you? Not at all. I mean, you know. I mean, hey, I just, I just talk. <laughs> I, I will also like to give a shout out about this Ecker game. Uh, attendance was nine thousand one hundred twenty-one. 
Yep. Which I don't, is that a sellout in Auburn Arena? No, it definitely. I, I don't know if it is traditionally a sellout by those standards. I mean, it was close to it, but um, it, there were plenty of open seats. Uh, so much so that you know, it was a sellout by you know ticket sales standards. But you had all the drink rail, standing room only seats, which is what actually what I did was I went to the volleyball match beforehand, and if you were there early enough, they just let you stay. Uh, so you got to know how to you know work smarter, not harder type of thing going on there and, and it actually ended up benefiting the volleyball program they had their i think highest attendance ever because of that now granted we would like to have seen a win because of that but this is not the volleyball show so we'll leave that there uh but yes in terms of people showing up for an exhibition game i think that tells you right there how far this program has come from the very bottom to where you probably couldn't get hardly half the student section filled up and you could bring in a general public down there just to fill it up and make it look good on tv people were actually fighting uh, for seats and trying to get these drink rail things just to come in and watch this team perform in Auburn Arena. And they were treated to a good show in most aspects there. Well, I, I think like that's important you... because I, yeah. I, I was looking back and I looked through some of the games last year in attendance. And even in our SEC sl- slate, we were in between the six to 8,000 range. So for an yeah. exhibition game, you think the culture changed in Auburn a little bit? Oh, just a little bit. I mean, it's, I mean, when you can get people there for an exhibition game, but not for some of the lower tier SEC games, uh, that kind of tells you something just in terms of the hype surrounding something that the opponent now doesn't so much matter. It's just people are excited to come see an Auburn team perform because they know they're going to get a good show. And, you know, it's everyone loves to see the three pointers, the slam dunks, and you're going to get plenty of those based off the exhibition game. I mean, I forget the stat that it was, but I think it was like Samir, and and um, McCormick had hit so many threes and Purifoy as well so quickly. It was it was amazing that it didn't seem like we missed a beat without Bryce Brown and uh, Jared Harper not being there anymore. And Chumo Kiki as well. I mean, he could shoot the three ball too. Uh, he's just had a lot of other talented um, areas for him as well too. But I, I do think that you're going to see a lot of athleticism from this team. Um, one of the questions I do have is the communication aspect. Uh, you could see a crow uh trying to make a couple moves and having a ball thrown away from him that because someone misread where he was going to go those are the things that this team's going to have to work out as this non-conference schedule gets started uh to figure out how to communicate and read each other in a basketball uh, game and it's a very cerebral game a lot of thinking two step two three four five six steps ahead and where you need to be to set yourself up for a pass or a shot or something like that so Learning how to play together, I think, is going to be uh, the key for this team. And I think the way I summed it up when I was talking to people after the game was the talent is there and and the ability to win is there, but how much of it will actually happen? And I think that's the biggest question for me after that game. Uh, Any other thoughts about exhibition, things you might have learned or heard? I mean, I think it's definitely, like I said, it's nothing to, we're going to win a national championship or we're going to go under 500 this year. I don't think we can stake that off of this Eckerd game. But I think right. one of the big things that you can see is what you're mentioning is there was maybe some missed passes. There were some miscommunication issues. I think that's where the importance of, yeah, we lost a lot of players, but everyone that's starting lineup besides Okoro and we had Macklemore on the bench, you, you rotate him in there. All five of those guys have played together, have been together for yep. at least a year plus now. And yep. so I think that's going to be our early season into the game rotation minus if there, as long as there's no foul trouble. And I think that helps is we're going to be able to get over the hump in some of these games 
that are maybe going to be tougher games because there is that familiarity with them. And then you work in an Okoro, you work in a Devin Cambridge, and you figure out, you you get them acclimated to the system. And so I, I think it is important to for Auburn fans to step back and realize, yeah, we lost Jared and Bryce and Chuma and Horace and Malik and all them, but we still have a starting five around there at Auburn that has experience, that has familiarity with each other and so i think it is going to be key this season and i mean big shouts to jamal johnson he actually has been sitting with this auburn program for a year and i think he's going to play a bigger factor than people realize yeah especially as he gets used to uh you know sight lines and stuff like that in auburn arena and working together with his teammates as opposed to just watching them i can definitely see him taking a big improvement as the season goes on i do want to say though i had a little bit of a you know, a tangent here. When you say we lost Jared, I immediately hear the song in my head instead of we got Jared, we lost Jared. So just thank you for, uh, I forget the individual that came up with that. That's already stuck in my head again. Son of son of a crow. Son of, son crow, of crow. Yes. So shout out, a shout out to son of crow. Thank you for forever having that tune in my head. And I will now insert even more words into that. We lost Jared. It doesn't matter though, because it does seem like we literally, there were times last season where it did feel like we could have the potential for an A and a B lineup. And it just feels like in some ways that we're now just playing with the, or I will, I won't even say B lineup, A1 and A2. We're now playing with A2 lineup that is left over after the departures of last season. Not saying they're going to be as great. We'll see how the season shakes out, but it does feel like that in some ways uh, with what we have going forward, the continuity that is there. Now, exhibition's over. It's time to get the season started. Let's talk about this first game. Georgia Southern comes into Auburn Arena, a 9 o'clock Eastern time tip-off for the Auburn Tigers versus the Georgia Southern Eagles. Now, you say Georgia Southern, you think probably a decent um, win margin here for Auburn, but not so fast, my friend, if I may say my Lee Corso line there. Uh, This is a Georgia Southern team that if we are going to go off last season's results, and that's what we have to because nobody's played a game yet, uh, they competed for the Sun Belt Championship last year and lost it to Georgia State at the end of it. Now, they didn't make the tournament. Uh, they didn't do anything special. They didn't go to the NIT or anything like that. But this is with a Georgia Southern team that was competitive in their conference the entire year and had a chance for the championship. 12 and 6 in the year for them last year in conference play, 12 or 21 and 12 overall. So I think you even, Drew, said that you are not worried, but you believe Auburn needs to be very careful about how they start this season off. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I'm a worrisome person anyway, so that's not really well, you're saying an much. Fan. But I, I think we we played Eckerd. This is one more step up, and yeah. Davis is going to be another step up. I know this game doesn't technically count, but, I mean, it's you're going to play it as it counts. And so I think this is definitely a team that we should pay attention to and a team that we're going to have to, I think you come out and you hit them in the mouth early and really put your stamp on the game. Because if we're coming in entitled, we're coming in thinking, you know what, we went to the final four last year. Like we can take the foot off the gas a little bit. I think that's the wrong mentality. And that's definitely not something Bruce is going to have with this team i respect highly what he did and basically said you know what we're not going to have a banner hanging ceremony or anything like that it's up there if you want to see it but we got business to take care of and so i think they're already coming in with the correct mentality and i'm not super worried about the georgia southern game but i think this is going to be one of those where you know what you want to see 
we, we shook some of the rust off. We saw some of the freshmen get some time, time for us to take uh, another small step, uh, maybe hit more of our shots to decrease the turnovers a little bit. We came out with 15 turnovers last game. You want to see that go down a little bit. And so I just think you're looking for little things, little improvements to really uh, make this a worthwhile exhibition. I like the picture you painted there in terms of it's the next step up leading up to a very tough match with Davidson coming up and not that you want to look past to them, but I do think that's a great way to think about this. You know, there's Eckerd, Georgia Southern, and then you've got Davidson coming up here very shortly um, after that. Uh, So I will say this last year, they were able to score points very well. I think it was 80 something points per game that they were putting up. Um, So Auburn's going to have a good test against their defense going forward. Now, the good thing is, is their uh, leading scorer and probably best player, Tookie, Never heard someone called Tookie before. Uh, he's no longer there. So if some people can step up and maintain that caliber they had last year of being able to score a lot of points, um, Auburn is going to have their defense tested. And so whereas we saw in the exhibition game a highly potent Auburn offensive showing, we'll now probably get to see where the defense stands at the very first game of the season. So I think that's where I'm going to be watching um in in this next one here to see how that team shakes out there so not much really to talk about outside of that for georgia southern again neither team has played one it's the first season expect a little bit of rust like drew said expect a little you know hiccups here and there but i do think auburn will win this one convincingly by the end of it and we'll discuss that game in great detail in the next episode so to close out our episode we're going to do something you know since clint's not here anymore we are going to revel in the fact that we can do predictions and speculations, and you, Drew, are going to agree to that, right? I, I have not signed a contract. I don't have to agree <laughs> to anything. <laughs> okay. But maybe you'll be at least a little bit more willing than Clint was to give me predictions and things like that. So how about this? I want to know from you, and, and if you haven't broken it down this way, that's fine, but what's your overall record for Auburn, your prediction-wise? 22 and 8. <laughs> 22 and eight. My good sir, you and I are on the same page. 22 okay. and eight is what I said. Then I need to you, change because you're, you're terribly wrong about stuff all the you, time. Look here, you and I did an NCAA tournament show together and I ended up beating both you and Ben King in that. So what does that say? That's fine, but you also didn't believe in Auburn. And so <laughs> the fact that you're believing in Auburn right now kind of scares me a little bit. So do you think that you should make it more or less then? I, I think we're probably going to go eight and 22 now. <laughs> 22 and eight. Uh, at least we, I, I feel good about this. At least we agree that there's a, a lot of potential wins here on uh, the docket for Auburn. Now let's see how we compare. I don't know if you broke it down or not, but I even said a non-conference record for me. So there's 12 games. I said 10 and two, and this is a little bit more for me optimistic than I wanted to be because like I said I think there's a window of two to four games in there that had the potential to go wrong for Auburn do you have a prediction for non-conference record I think your your peak is obviously 12 and 0 but I, I think the the best case scenario Auburn goes 12 and 0 that, and that's not just saying like oh I obviously they can win every game everyone has a shot but I think they could come out 12 and 0 I think that's my my high end I think my low end is eight and four out of the yeah. slate the potential is there for us to run the table, and uh, it would be really nice to see that happen and ha- really have some momentum built in to the beginning of that SEC schedule when we reach there. 
um, so that we can capitalize off of that until we get to that stronger back half of, or not even back half, just back section of the SEC schedule. So I do think there's a lot of optimism about the non-conference schedule. And that's not to say it's not going to be difficult. It just means that what we're seeing from the team, the way it lays out nicely with the scheduling aspect from Coach Pearl, I think there's a lot that works in Auburn favor there. SEC record, what say you? Uh, I, I even forget what I did on the last show. I mean, I think the SEC, games. The SEC slate's going to be tougher. I think I landed at 12 and 6 was oh my, my was my mentality with that. SEC's tough, man. You go to two games a week, you you never know what injuries are going to be towards the end of the season. Uh, you never know what ref is going to show up to your game like SEC's a crapshoot and I don't I don't tend to like it. And so I think that you you're looking at a possible like 12 and 6 out of that. I will say too, you and I are just on sync tonight 12 and 6 is what i had for us so you immediately need to go change your prediction now uh because we cannot be the same this 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 early into us being together on a podcast we cannot be this in sync it just shouldn't happen these things don't are not worry to don't worry listeners kyle picked bama to win both games so you can trash him for that later i did not when i did not say alabama was going to win both games i said they might I, win one i've heard it whoa i didn't even i was just joking about that but the fact that you think they may win one is absurd kyle i'm worried about it okay look i i do listen let me just say this i do think and i guess this is a great segue into what i want to talk about next is where auburn shakes out not just record wise but seeding going into an sec tournament i do think if you want one of those four two day buys that go to the top four seeds i do think that it's going to be auburn and alabama maybe someone else vying for that fourth spot and for that reason i'll go ahead and give my sc tournament prediction i think we're the number five seed going in we only get the one day by uh what say you so who are your who are your top four then it would be kentucky florida lsu and again like i said auburn alabama maybe somebody else fine for that last spot i why do you think alabama is going to be so good i, I don't that's, know that's a scarier thing i don't like, think that they're going to be good i just think that they're sneaky like that no, they're not. Like you have to have players on your roster to be sneaky. Like you can't just get in because your name's Alabama. But this, up, this is basketball. This is basketball. <laughs> I know, but I'm just, I'm just. There's something about that that I do feel like that Auburn and Alabama at the end of everything could be vying together for that final two day bye. If if Alabama finishes above seventh, I'll be surprised. Well, I, hey, look, I'd love that no, no better than anybody else. But, you know, unless my name's Chandler Fullman, who is an Alabama fan secretly. Uh, but that's my my pick, and I'm going to stay stick to it. Where do you think they shake out in the SEC tournament? I, I think you're looking at four or five. Uh, I mean, Kentucky and, I mean, gosh, I blanked right there. Kentucky Florida. And, and Florida are going to be your top two, I think. think. I mean, once again, you never know with injuries or anything like that. Uh, and then LSU, now that Will Wade's decided, apparently you can pay players and be caught on tape saying your paying players can now coach. I guess <laughs> they're going to finish third, most likely. May even buy for that second spot, uh, just depending on how well Kentucky's teams gel. You never know with that. And so I, I think that's going to be your top three. So I'm saying four or five okay. uh, landed in that range. Well, then think, how about this? I think Georgia's the other team to be worried about in that matter. And see, I disagree with you there. I I would say I'm more worried about Alabama than I am Georgia. But I think we'll 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 see who's right. We have this for posterity. We can come back and point to it and see who was more right. And history shows that usually I'm I am. But <laughs> uh, we'll see though. 
How about this though? SEC tournament chances for winning the whole thing. If I, mm. if you had to put a percentage on Auburn winning the SEC tournament right now, what would you say? Oh goodness, I don't know. I, I think you got to look at a few things. My my thing is always how well does Kentucky gel? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's always your your big kicker is. How well is Kentucky going to gel with their team that they brought in of people who've known each other for all of two days? Uh, (laughs) And so I don't think they're going to be gelling as well as they have before. So I think I'll give the Tigers a 35% chance to win it. Uh, I'll sit somewhere in that range with you too, and not because of Kentucky, because I do agree with you that I don't think they're going to mesh as well as they might have in the past now don't tell that to Andy Katz and other people that are you know the national pundits because they think that they're going to be the number one seed again this year in the NCAA tournament I do think they're going to be high I just don't think that they're going to be a number one seed or even the best team in the SEC when everything shakes out I think Florida is going to win the SEC tournament and because Auburn has to get through Florida I do and you know potentially LSU as well I do think 33 percent chance is probably the likelihood now let's let's put it into perspective though Drew this is in a time where Auburn is saying there's a one in three chance that we can win the SEC tournament. There was a time when we had zero chance, and that's such a change in culture. And it's frankly, for me personally, just such a – I don't know how to really process that, that Auburn is good at basketball. Does that Has that hit you at, at this point in the Bruce Pearl era? It, it has. Uh, I'll be real, like uh, I, I knew Auburn basketball changed when they made the hire for Bruce Pearl. Like – I've loved basketball for years, followed it, grew up in Kentucky, so always had to watch the Kentucky-Tennessee rivalry. And I knew Bruce Pearl was legit back in his early Tennessee days, even his Wisconsin-Milwaukee days. And so I knew Auburn had taken a big step forward whenever they they made the decision, we're going to go after Bruce Pearl, because Bruce Pearl was going to win no matter where he was at. And you could see the culture and everything changing at Auburn from the moment he stepped on campus. And so I, it it doesn't shock me that we're talking about, you know, Auburn's a third or has a third of a chance to win the SEC tournament, because you know what, like Tennessee was in that, in that seat every year with Bruce Pearl at the helm. So this shouldn't be shocking to Auburn fans that this is the work he's doing. And I think that's not a reflection on Bruce Pearl when I say that it's a shot. Yeah. I think it's a reflection on where Auburn has come from. And the two being married together now is just such a – it's an amazing thing. And we I, I keep reminding us on this show of that to remind us where we come from so we don't get like we are in football. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going there. Almost – that's the second time I've tried to bring that up. Anyway, final prediction segment here, NCAA tournament. Should I even ask, Drew, do you – if I had to give you – Percentage confidence Auburn makes the NCAA tournament for you? Oh, 100%. 100% here, too. And I think that's the first time we've said that. Even Clint and I last year said eh, maybe 90%, you know, because there's a room there. But I do think the way the non conference lays out, even the strong SEC schedule, Auburn's going to make the big dance again this year for the and, third year in a row, I believe. And that's barring, obviously, any catastrophic injuries. Right. But I think I think if this team stays remotely healthy with the depth that they have, the players that they have. I think to not make the tournament would be a super disappointment, something that people can actually be disappointed about. Not like, oh, we won a game. Let's lose our minds. So what would be your seating for Auburn then where things stand right now? 
I think peak, you're looking at four seed. I think Valley, you're looking at eight seed again, but I think we probably end up with a six seed. I sit somewhere in the five to seven range uh, for a seed. And I would say I really, I would hate to have a seven seed because that means in the second round you're going to be playing a number two. But I just, I really feel like that's where Auburn's trajectory is going to take them because of maybe how some other teams perform. Um, I do think they have the potential to be up to a four, like you've said, but I, five, six, and seven, I think is where I'm going to rest and settle more so on a seven for them. Um, just because we don't know how the rest of the college basketball landscape is right now. You so, don't want an eight seed so we can play a number one again, because we had really good luck with that last time. We did, but Hey, look, I'm, I, I would rather not play. I, I'll take a two because sometimes, well, actually now 16 seeds, beat one seed so that has happened i was gonna say it's more likely that a 15 will beat a two and and so on and so forth and all that kind of things that happen anyway um we've talked about seeding percentage confidence that auburn makes the big uh makes makes it to the national championship uh i'm not gonna give you one on that one i i think we gotta get to the <laughs> end of the season let it shake out uh i i don't i don't know basketball so well, so all over the place you kind of yeah. got to let it play out. How about this then? If if you're, what does your gut tell you is the most likely point they'll reach in the tournament? So second round, Sweet Sixteen. What, you can at least get me there, probably. No, I cannot. I cannot. Oh go come with on! You Don't go, path. Clint Richardson. Do not get Clint Richardson on me. Kyle, give me I can, some. I can give you my best analytics, but tournament time—that's why they call it March, March Madness. There's wow. no predicting the madness that will happen until you see who's in it, who's up against who, any of that. I you're, you're, Clint Richardson. No, I can't, I can't go with you down that path path. I can tell you what uniform combinations we may wear during the tournament, but I can't give you that. Okay. Look, I will go ahead and brave it and say, I think Auburn only gets to the second round this year. And I, I will stand by that. Uh, I just think that if there are a seven C, the fact they'll run into a two, if they're an eight, they'll run into a one. Uh, I think that's where we'll sit at that uh, the second round. It should be the expectation, uh, but anything else on top of that is just icing on the cake. And how far Uh, do your beloved Crimson Tide get then? You know what? Look, um, they don't, I would be, I would be surprised. Well, they'll make the NIT, but anyway, they're not my beloved Crimson Tide. You're predicting they may finish ahead of us in the SEC. Like what the world, Kyle, you can't talk out both sides of your mouth. They either are good enough to finish above us in the SEC and make the tournament, or they're not good enough to finish above us in the SEC and they make the NIT. You're full of it, Kyle. I don't know if I can do this. I've been doing this show for six years. I can do what I dang well please. (laughs) Anyway. All right. I think that's enough predictions. Uh, from us uh, here and uh, we got more than Clint would ever give us in the prediction realm from you so thank you so much for being willing to do that with me and play that out Uh, but that is our season preview show let me give you a little bit of what what to expect from us this season obviously we've talked about Clint will be here with us Drew is stepping in into the co-host role and we may have some others fill in whether that be guests or even regular co-hosts we're still working some details out there as well we'll have individual game shows where we review a game and preview a game and any news that happens amongst that will be included in that Um, there will be whole event shows meaning it's really hard to do individual games after back-to-back-to-back games and classics and tournaments and things like that. So you can expect those to be done in bunches, uh, especially NCAA tournament weeks, which we expect to be there as well. There may be some tentative game schedule issues, like, for instance, NC State and Lehigh 
are within a day of each other. So that might be a little challenging to do individual episodes, but we'll update you when that time comes. And obviously, just please be patient with us during the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, because we will get those out as quickly as we can to you. Just want to give you a little bit of information as the listeners, what you can expect from us this season going forward. Final thoughts, Mr. Drew Hooper, on the 2019-2020 men's basketball season for Auburn. Jamal Johnson, learn the name. He's going to be very important. He's going to play that Samir Dowdy, Javon McCormick role from last year. I think that's going to be a key to that bench unit this year. And I will see your Jamal Johnson and raise you a Devin Cambridge. And we'll see who ends up being more right by the end of the season. I'm, I'm just being overly competitive here at this point. <laughs> Basketball season's got me in, in uh, postseason form at this point. All right, so... That's the season preview. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to this. We really do appreciate it and hope that you'll enjoy the ride this season with us on the seventh year with Coach Bruce Pearl. Uh, Drew, if people want to get in contact with you and talk about men's basketball, where can they find you on social, on social media? I am on the Twitter sphere at Drew underscore hoop, H-O-P-0-2. And I mostly just try and keep a humorous tone to my tweets. Sometimes all the time actually you're way more humorous and more uh, mature with your treats than tweets than most of the twitter sphere and especially the auburn twitter sphere for that matter so he's a he's a responsible follow if you have not done that i have not uh, fired yet. anyone in two years i don't think no no I, I think you're uh i think you're doing good in that in that category there but that's where you can find drew you can find me on twitter as well at tiger i24 hit us up there if you'd like to talk or even submit questions we'd love to hear some listener response from you if you have things that you want us to talk about on the show that's all we have for this edition of inside the jungle but until we talk to you again war eagle war eagle before you get out of here we want to remind you of a couple things head over to e2cnetwork.com our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us podcasts blogs and even ways to help support the show if you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?